Good to see you. Happy New Year, everyone. 2023, believe it or not, is here. Hard to believe, but thank you that you are here with us. And to be in that this is the first day of the year, it's on a Sunday, you've chosen to come and to worship, whether you're here in the body and spirit or online. Thank you so much for being here with us this morning. Let me draw our attention to reading of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 to the end of the chapter. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentarily, light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Why we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Dear ones, um, I challenge myself this morning and I challenge you as well. What can we do this year to look at the things which are not seen, which are the very things that are eternal? What can we do this year to keep our eyes looking to the heavens from where our help comes from? The Lord, our God, our maker in heaven and earth. The more that we look with, to the unseen, the more we will fulfill our, God's will, our destiny this year to serve him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, with all our mind. Let's think about those things before we sing. Father, we ask for your help this morning. We know that the world would have us to see the things which are temporary and to try to be swayed by them the whole year long. We have a new year that we're starting and we pray that you would bring our attention to you and to you alone. May this be a year marked by real growth in our lives together as a church and also individually. Help us, Father, to see you. I think back about Moses' request Please let me see your glory. And what a miraculous thing in the, that you let him see just a little bit of you and, and it changed him. It transformed him. Lord, may it be that we see you and we are not focused on the things which fade, which are corrupted, which rot, which are destroyed, but instead the eternal God who we will spend forever with for all who know you as Jesus Christ, Savior. Thank you so much for guiding us through this past year. Thank you for your love and grace to Independent Baptists, Lord, and may we just glorify you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Would you stand and let's sing the song to start. All glory be to Christ. One, two.
church. Let's be seated. Well, good morning. And Happy New Year. What a great way to start the new year, singing praises to our God. I appreciate the praise team leading us this morning in that. This was great. Well, we want to welcome each and every one of you who are with us this morning. Again, we recognize you could be other places, but we are so glad that you're with us, either in person or online. If you will happen to be here with us in person, we encourage you, if you're a visitor, to uh, go back to our connection corner in the back there, and there's information for you about our church um, that I think that you would find valuable. There's also a gift back there for you as well. Um, just by way of reminder, there is no evening service tonight. Um, we are just having the uh, 1030 service here this morning, no evening service tonight. And also there will be communion, though, next Sunday. So communion will be next Sunday on January the 8th. Um, this Sunday, however, um, there will be a screen that flashes up here that says that uh, there's junior church still this morning. So if you are um, if you're in the age grade or age range of uh, four years old to first grade, uh, you can be dismissed during that time. Um, also coming up this week, um, well, actually, really just a continuation. Um, last week we did not have um, kids for truth or youth group. However, they will resume. Uh, this Wednesday, uh, so if you have a child or a teenager in one of those groups, we encourage them to come out this Wednesday at the normal time. Um, just lastly here, before we have Pastor Mike come and pray, um, is on January 17th will be our annual business meeting. So we encourage you to attend that, and then if you want to uh, take a look at the ballot, it is posted uh, on the bulletin board, and you can do that at your convenience. Any other announcements, please... Uh, Take some time to look at the bulletin on your own. Thank you, Eddie. One more thing comes to my mind, and that's if uh, you are not connected with us through Flockno, our mass texting tool, please come back to the connection corner, and we'd like to do that, whether we help you on the spot or we take your name and get you connected. We have a number of ways we communicate things in our church, including when service times are different, for instance, like this morning. And the, one of the best ways we can do that is through the mass texting tool we have in Flocknote. So um, great way to start the year. If you're not connected in some way to our church and you are regular with us or plan to be, you've been visiting a while and you say this is your church, come back and we'll get you connected. Let's stand and pray together. Father, thank you so much for this morning. And we trust you. We very much know that we are in your debt for everything, Lord, of who we are. And we pray, Father, that you would help us to remember that through this year. Thank you so much, again, for those who are, are with us and have chosen to start their year by worshiping together. Again, thank you for our presence online. And we, we're just blessed to be able to do that. And for those listening now, may you shine your face upon them and give them your favor and your salvation, Father. We pray that you'd help us to focus this year on doing our very best to live for you. Um, Lord, you are very much in the business of using the church today. It is the age of the church, and both collectively across the world, but here in Tawanda as well, please use our church, Lord. Help us to be faithful to you no matter what goes on in the world. 
We know Satan has a plan, and it is for our harm, for our evil. And we pray, God, continually for your protection and your grace, for strength to do the right thing, to be firm in you no matter what. Thank you that you answer our prayers in that way. We have brothers and sisters across the world right now that are worshiping, many in the states here, many across the world, many doing it um, very much, Lord, fearing for their lives. And we pray for your protection upon them this morning. Please give them the peace and the freedom as they do this. They pray for us, and we need to pray for them. Lord, may you do a, a good work no matter what, both in the, our church here and the persecuted church across the world. We thank you so much for our Januaries. We know they represent important times in our church, such as various meetings, let alone our business meeting. And as Pastor Eddie has challenged us, please help us to take them seriously and understand that when the, the church says yes or no, Jesus Christ very much in his word said that he, he will stand behind his church. So in order to make the right decisions, you need to lead us, Lord, and you need to lead all of us. So please help us to do our part and, and do what is good in your sight in that way. We thank you so much. You are so good to us, and, and we love you. Thank you so much for taking us through this past year. Could this be the year Jesus returns? We don't know. Help us regardless to look forward to that day and to look forward to it in confidence and no shame, but in love for you, anticipating all the unseen becoming seen for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Let's be seated. To God be the glory. Amen. Thank you, Jessica. Encouragement that is. Eddie, thanks for bringing a wife along that plays amazing flute. 
appreciate that. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, stand before Pastor Eddie comes and preaches. Uh, let's stand and sing again. And may our attention be focused on our great need. I think you and I know that, sister and brother, this morning, that we need Christ in our lives, period. And we need God every hour. There's not an hour in our life we can do successfully on our own. We can't even breathe without God's grace. Our heart cannot beat again without God's grace. We need him, and the best response of ours is to surrender.
Well, I need to start with an apology already. Just found out plans had changed. I was not aware of. There's no junior church today. Don's not here to correct me, and you know, gotta roll with the punches, I guess. I encourage you to turn in your Bibles to James chapter 1 once again this morning. I appreciated the songs that we sang this morning. They go along well with the uh, message. You would think that we maybe planned that. Believe it or not, it wasn't actually planned as closely as it would seem based on what I'm going to say this morning, but um, God has a way of working those things out, doesn't he? Before we begin, let's bow for a word of prayer. Dearly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this time together. We thank you, Lord, that we can come and worship you in this new year. Lord, we're thankful that um, you have told us you will never leave us nor forsake us, and we have confidence going into this new year that that promise will hold true. We have confidence in our salvation, and we have confidence in your return. Lord, we have confidence that you are still building your church. Lord, we are so thankful that there is security, there is hope, there is freedom in you. Lord, we look at a world in many cases seems to be fallen apart by our perspective, and yet, Lord, we know once again that you are sovereign over all. Lord, I pray that as we turn to your word this morning that you would encourage our hearts in your truth. I pray, Lord, that you would give me the words to be able to speak, to clearly communicate what you have laid on my heart. Lord, I pray for discerning minds um, as I speak and as the others listen. Lord, may we discern your truth. May we have an appreciation for it, and may we adopt it into our lives. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So anybody having a good year so far? <laughs> I hope so. Um, maybe that depends. Like Maybe you're like me. You have kids, and getting kids ready on a Sunday morning can be a little bit chaotic. So maybe you had a little rougher start to your, your year, but we're glad that you're here. And if, you, and if you had a rough start to your year, the good news is, right, God can use whatever you've already faced in the new, new year for your good and for his glory, right? And that's going to be true throughout the whole year. God is going to take whatever you face, whatever challenges that you have, and he is going to use it for your good and for his glory. We just not need to let him work in our lives. If you've had a Good start to your year. Well, hold on. Right? I hope that continues for you. But even in the good, right, God uses all things, both the challenging things of life and the blessings that we face, for his glory and our good. One of the things I often pray for, and I have prayed already this year, is for wisdom. 
going into a new year, uh, wouldn't it be nice if we just made all the right choices? Wouldn't that be great? Truth is, we're probably not going to make all the right choices all the time. But yet we have this gift from God. This gift that he has promised to us, and that is wisdom. We can have wisdom in this life. And I want to encourage you to follow along with me as I read James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. It says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, the last time I spoke, I, I touched on this, these verses, but I want to dig just a little bit deeper into what these verses have for us this morning. It starts out by saying, if any of you lack wisdom, I think that's a given. At least it is in my life. It really could read, since you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, right? Because all of us, wherever we are, at whatever stage that we're at, we don't exercise wisdom always the way we need to. Uh, we all could use an additional dose of wisdom at times. I often, like I mentioned, I, I, I wish I had the wisdom of Solomon. I think that would be fantastic. Right? What would it be like to have people just want to come and listen to you, right? I wrote the second book of Proverbs, right? How awesome, right? Not that I'm suggesting that we can add to Scripture, okay? Don't misunderstand me here this morning. But how awesome would that be? People would come to Solomon to hear his wisdom. Yet, of course, we know he didn't always make the wisest choices. Yet he was one who was said to be wise. However, if I look at my own life, sometimes it's not that I need more information that I don't yet have. Sometimes what I need is just to take the information that I already have and make good choices with it. Right? It's, it's, it's not that we sometimes lack the knowledge. We have the knowledge at times to know what the right choice, what the right decision is. It's the execution of it that we have problems with, isn't it? You know, should I tell the truth? Well, let me think about that. You know, should I, should I take something that doesn't belong to me? These are not things we need to pray about, right? We know that God would have us to tell the truth. God would have us to be a witness for him. God would have us to trust him. God would have us not to take that which doesn't belong to us. There are just some things in life that we just got to follow the instructions, Right? But as I pray for wisdom, I know intellectually and spiritually um, that God's ways are what's going to lead to my success. I understand that, 
I further understand that following my ways may lead to temporary satisfaction, but ultimately it will lead to disappointment and hardship. So today I want to look at four things to remember when praying for wisdom. Four things to look at when praying for wisdom. Again, when I, when I pray for wisdom, I must remind myself that wisdom is, wisdom is not a sudden endowment of information. Right? It's not by the time that I get done praying that God is going to flood my mind with, with previously unknown information. That's sometimes what I kind of look for. You know, or, or what I foolishly look for. Like suddenly, suddenly God is going to hit me with this lightning bolt of information that was previously unknown to me that will solve all of my problems now and into the future. Right? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be nice if that, that, that lightning bolt of information would just flood our minds and like, ah, I get it. I know what to do now. Right? Everything's clear. Let me just... Let me just tell others as well because I'm so full of this wisdom. Right? That sometimes is maybe what we're looking for. But I have to remind myself that that's not often how God does it. When we ask for wisdom, often God takes what we already know. What we already have studied, what we have already learned, or what he will soon present to us in order to help us to make good choices. And God gives us what we need always so that we do not need to give into temptations. We don't need to give into our sinful desires and go down the path of temptation. And when we when we face these temptations, we are faced or when we are faced with difficulties of life, we are faced with choices. There's no other way of looking at it. When we go through challenges of life, there are going to be choices along the way. Self-focused choices will lead us into temptation and pain. Godly choices will lead us to, to life and the glory of God. So here's kind of how I understand wisdom to be, and you may have a better definition than what I have, and that's, and that's fine. Here's the definition I'm going to give us this morning. Um, godly wisdom is the proper execution or implementation of the knowledge that God has revealed to mankind. It is taking the information that God has given us and, and executing it appropriately. Wisdom is not so much in how much we know, because there's always someone that's going to know more than us. In fact, there can be people who know the Bible, know God's word a whole lot better than any of us do, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're always going to make the right choices. Right? It's not just about how much you know, it's how you use what you do know. Another way of looking at it is this. Knowledge is the facts. It's the information. It's, it's putting the data together. Right? That's what knowledge is. It's, it's filling my mind with truth. But we have to move beyond simply the information. We have to move from the information to now being able to process that information in a useful way. 
And not only being able to process it in a useful way, we need to have an appreciation for that knowledge. Maybe you're going through school, or maybe you've gone through school, or maybe you have sat through uh, a conference of some kind that maybe your work does, and you sit there and you just are listening to this person fill your mind with information, and your reaction to it is, this is useless, right? When am I ever going to use this in life? You know, and, and probably, maybe if you've had kids, you've had that conversation with your kids. Well, you got to learn it, right? And, or you're trying to convince it, hey, it really will be useful. I wish I had paid better attention to this information, right? And you're maybe desperately trying to have your kids understand the value of the information that they are learning, but at the time, they don't really appreciate it. Having an appreciation for knowledge is extremely important because if we lack the appreciation for the knowledge that we are learning, then we're not going to make the right choices. It's when we take the knowledge of God, the truth that he has revealed to us, we, we begin to comprehend it and form an appreciation for it. That's what then will lead to wisdom to making good choices. You know, when I think of that, I, I think of you know, the story of Adam and Eve. You're all very familiar with it. But we look at um, that story, and I believe that Adam and Eve devalued God's truth. They devalued it. And let me explain what I mean by that. God had made very clear to them what they were to do and what they were not to do. What they were to do, they were doing well. Tend the garden, name the animals, so forth, right? The doing was fine. And then they came to the don't do, and they struggled a little bit with that. And it wasn't just on their own, but Satan, we know, came into the picture, and he began to communicate a truth, right, a false narrative, a false truth, and it confused the real truth. It confused God's truth. Did God really say? Doubt. You will not surely die. Confusion of the truth. And so now they had a choice to make. Which truth are they going to value? Which truth are they going to not only then value, are they going to put into practice? And so they looked at the two competing truths. You will die. You will not die. God is good. God's holding back good from you. There was competing truths. One was the real truth. One was a false truth. They devalued the real truth and began to embrace a false truth. And as a result of embracing and valuing that truth, they make, made a poor decision, didn't they? And the same is true for us. We're going to have competing narratives in our lives, competing truths. It's kind of, I don't mean to make it as simple as this, but you've all seen the you know, cartoons with the, the devil on the one side and the angel on the other side, right? But the reality is there are competing truths out there. There is the truth of God, and sometimes there's the truth I want to believe. 
I want to believe this truth. And so I act on sometimes the truth I want to believe rather than the truth that's reality. And we begin to make false or bad decisions. And when we face the challenges of life, we need wisdom so that we do not waste the opportunities God has given us to mature. Wisdom helps us to understand how to use these circumstances for our good and for the glory of God. So, so we know what wisdom is here. It's, it's a proper limitation, it's a proper putting into practice the knowledge, the real truth, right? The, what has been revealed to us from God. Now that we know we need wisdom, God next tells us what to do, right? The next phrase tells us what to do. In the second half of, or second part of verse 5 there, it says, um, let him ask of God. So if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever, have you ever asked a question you already knew the answer to? You know, as a, as a parent, as a former middle school, high school teacher, I did this all the time, right? You, you, you know who did the whatever it was that they weren't supposed to do. You know, right? But you asked the question anyway. Did you do that or what happened? I mean, you, you might have actually seen them do it, and you just, but you asked the question, right? The point of the question is for them to come clean, Right? For them to admit the truth of the reality of what I actually saw. I, I think it, maybe not humorous in the moment, but humorous now as I look back on it. You have some of those students where you saw them do it. They know you saw them do it. And you say, what did you do? And they'll boldface lie to you. And you're like, what do you think, I'm an idiot? Did you not know that I was watching you this entire time? Right? You, you know exactly what they, are, what they did, and you, you, but you ask the question not for your benefit, but for the benefit of the other, right? So that it would help them. Jesus did this all the time with his disciples, right? He would ask them questions he knew the answers to. Jesus wasn't somehow ignorant of the information that they were going to share with him. He knew. He asked it for their benefit. However, when we come to this passage, that's not the case. That's not what's happening here, right? Nor ought it be our attitude as we go to prayer in this manner. And here's the thing. I think sometimes we can go to prayer in our arrogance, thinking that we have the answer prior to asking. And we need to be careful about that. We need to come to God in prayer with a humble and open heart to what he is going to reveal to us. Now, I, again, I don't believe that revelation is necessarily a sudden endowment of information that was previously unknown. It will probably be something God will bring to your heart, something you already studied, something you've already memorized, something that has already been taught to you, right? So it's not the sudden endowment, but sometimes we have to be very careful when we come to prayer because we've already predetermined what we're going to do, but we figure, well, I probably should pray about it. It's probably not the right method of approaching God, right? You know, it's, it's kind of like someone who asks you for advice, but you know they've already made up their mind. And so you're, you, you give them your advice, and you know they're not going to take it. 
And you know, and you know not arrogantly, but you, you know your information, the thing, what you're trying to share with them, the wisdom you're trying to share with them is superior to what they're trying to do because what they're trying to do is very self-destructive, but they just don't see it at the moment. When we approach God and we ask him for wisdom, we need to be very careful. We don't come with this predetermined idea of what we're going to do unless it is clearly based on the word of God. We need to come to him with an honest, humble, open heart and really seek him. Because here's the thing. If we don't come to him with that attitude, chances are we're not going to be looking for his advice. For his wisdom. For the knowledge he would have us to act on. So, so it's easy, though, to allow the feelings of the moment, maybe the hungerness, the, the tiredness, or the bad day to dictate our choices. It's easy to allow those distractions to, to cloud the knowledge that we have about God's sanctifying process in our life. Therefore, James encourages us to take a moment to pray, to get our minds focused on the eternal one who has an eternal purpose. I appreciate Pastor Mike this morning, his words he spoke because his words were helping us to focus on an eternal perspective. And that's exactly what we need to have when we face the challenges of life, when we, when we face the choices, when we go to God in prayer, we need to focus not so much on self, but on the one that we are coming to. In doing this, we can begin to look outside ourselves to an internal source of wisdom. The emotions, the hunger, the tiredness, the bad days, they will pass. We need to have a mindset that can focus outside of self and I'm not suggesting that the trials are not real or somehow they're trivial. I'm not downplaying the trials. And I'm not suggesting that we should be devoid of emotions. However, I am suggesting that we need to have an eternal perspective, a God perspective which gives us a vision beyond the trial so that we can make good decisions within the trial. We need to pull the, from the eternal resources to help us with what Paul calls the momentary infliction, right? So I, I am in this moment feeling this way. I'm in this moment with this tough decision. And sometimes in the moment, that's all I can focus on, right? And have you ever, so I know it's not you, it's probably the person next to you, but have you ever tried counseling someone, right? And they just can't see beyond what, is, what's, what the trouble is right now. Like maybe, maybe you've been through it. Maybe you've you know, experienced it. And you can go, hey, look, it's going to get better. It's going to be fine. God's going to help you through this. And, and all they can focus on is right here, right now, how I'm feeling. And again, I'm not downplaying that. I'm not downplaying the way a person feels. I, I won't do that because those emotions are real. The feelings are real. But sometimes that's why we need to be able to have an eternal perspective. We need to be able to reach outside of ourself, right? And we do that. We do that. Sometimes whether, whether we're going to take the advice or not, we reach outside of ourselves to, to family, to friends, to, to others for advice. But we need to reach the, to the eternal source, the one who has eternal wisdom. And we need to look to him to help us in the troubled times that we face so 
this is what prayer is. It is looking outside of self to an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, and all-wise eternal God. It is next a declaration to God that I can't do this on my own. As my father-in-law, who's also a pastor, would say it this way, prayer is surrendering self-sufficiency for God-dependency. It is surrendering the idea that somehow I can do this on my own. I can pull myself up from my, with my own bootstraps, right? I can make this work. No, you can't. No, you can't. You need God. And, and we like, and especially in our American culture, we like to believe in I can do this on my own. I can make it happen. I can do it my way. But the reality is we can't. All of us are desperately dependent on the eternal God, whether we admit it or not. And we need to turn to that God, and we need to surrender this idea of self-sufficiency and place our dependency on God alone. Prayer is, I believe, is a divine and human cooperative, though. It is mankind doing what he is called to do, and then turning our attention to God with great confidence, believing, knowing that he will do what he has promised. Again, it's me doing what I have been called to do. Scripture is clear as to what I'm supposed to do. I do those things, and then I turn to God, and I trust in him for the rest. Sometimes people say the phrase of, you know, let go and let God. And again, my, my issue only with that, and I know people are well-intentioned when they say that, and, but my only issue with that is it almost leaves a little bit too much of um, God responsibility and none of my own. Whereas I have a responsibility in this life. I have a responsibility to do what God has called me to do. And when I've done what God has called me to do, I, I at the same time, while I'm doing what I've been called to do, I have a dependency on God to not only help me do what I've been called to do, but that he's going to take care of the rest. Again, I can't even do what I've been called to do apart from the grace of God. So it is, it is understanding that even in what I've been called to do, I am still dependent upon God. It is surrendering my self-sufficiency, right, for God-dependency, that he will supply and meet the needs that I have. Prayer is designed to get our minds off of ourselves and on God. James then ties our prayer for wisdom to the character and word of God. I love this. Look at the next part of verse 5. It says, Who um, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Here we see God's character. God's character is revealed in that um, he is generous, he is gentle, and he is giving. We see not only does God offer us wisdom, but he does so in, in, in the most generous of ways, right? He gives to us this freely, liberally, and without reproach. It's, it's this idea of being gentle as he does it. This tells us not only how our God gives, but it speaks to his character. Sometimes when, you know, when we give, we may hold back more than what we should. Um, or 
Um, we don't like to give up of our, our time, our resources, our energy, right? For some of us, it's, it's good that we have generous people in our lives to help teach us what generosity should look like. I know that's true for me. I don't necessarily think I'm an ungenerous person, but I have, you know, my wife and other people in my life who, who really show me what it means to be generous. I'm thankful for that. I'm very thankful for that. And we, sometimes we need that. And here we have the example of God who is giving so generously. We have a God who, who loves to give. He gives generously um, because he has an overabundance of wisdom and because he loves to. So not only can God give, he is able to give. Sometimes I'm limited by how much I can give by the resources I have. God is not. God is not somehow limited by the resources that he has. He can give us as much wisdom as, as we need. He's not somehow hindered by his own resources like we are. Truth is, God knows that we need divine wisdom. We need it in order to succeed in life's difficulties. He knows left to our own selves, we will not choose well. Our faith is not yet complete. Our knowledge and wisdom are desperately lacking when compared to his fullness. Therefore, our God desires we ask for wisdom, and he gives it generously and without reproach. Uh, this idea of reproach, it means that he, he doesn't beat us up for asking. In other words, he, he's, he's gentle in, and kind in the manner of which he gives. Some people, right, they've asked you for some advice, right? And then they reject your advice. And they ask you for advice. And they reject your advice. And they ask for advice. And they reject it. And by the time they come, like, the 10th time, you're just like, I'm done. 10 would probably be generous in some ways. But so say they came back 10 times, like, you're not going to listen anyway, so I'm done. Giving it to you. Right? Aren't you glad our God's not like that? He, he doesn't sit back and go, like, I'm done. I'm, I'm done with you. Right? He gives to us generously. We're gonna, we fail over and over and over. And when we come back to God in genuineness of our heart and say, God, I need wisdom. He could easily say, I've given it to you about a bazillion times. But he doesn't. When we come with, with honesty and openness of heart, he says, okay. Okay, I'll give it to you. And I'll give it to you freely because I love giving it to you. Also keep in mind that God granting wisdom to those who ask with a genuine heart of faith is not predicated on past behaviors or attitudes. He gives generously and without chiding us for asking. Even, once again, if we have failed. However, James, does, <clears throat> James tells us not only what we should do, which is to pray, and how we should do it, but he, or he tells us how we should do it. So the next part in verse 6, it tells us, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Here we see that we must ask in faith without doubting. We must believe that God is good. We must believe his word is true and his character is perfect. Thus, we must believe that God is faithful to deliver as he has promised. We pray in faith. We, we believe that God is not going to waste our hurt. He's not going to waste our pain. 
He's going to give us what we need. Have you ever prayed, though, not believing that God was going to give you what you requested? Uh, now, maybe there was good reason for you to, to think that because maybe the request you made was a little bit unreasonable. Um, but on the other hand, have you ever prayed for something that you believed was in, within the will of God, but you didn't really believe that he was going to answer it? I, I think we do that. I, I know I have. Um, we tend then not to look for God's answer, right? I, I, you, you pray and you're like, well, I'm not really sure God's going to give it. I've, I've prayed for wisdom before and I didn't get it. And it might not be so much that we didn't always get God's wisdom. It might be that we didn't get it the way we were expecting to. But, you know, we, we pray something that according to God's will, and we just don't expect to receive it. And, and I think in part here's why we don't receive it, is because we're not looking for it. You know, it's, it's really hard to ask someone for advice and then as they're talking, our mind completely wanders on something else. Right? It's really hard to take their advice. Um, if we're not listening, if we're not listening with expectation and anticipation that God is going to deliver, we're going to miss it. We're going to miss it. And so James tells us that we need to pray believing Believing. Believing God is going to do what he has promised he's going to do. Believing that God is going to be true to his character. That he does love to give. That he does love to give generously and without beating us up for it. Are we going to believe that, is the question, when we ask? You know, um, if we don't, James tells us, we should not expect to receive anything. And we tend to get in these patterns of disbelief at times in our prayers. Uh, we, we lack expectation, anticipation of God's prayer. And we sometimes forget that God is at work. That he is doing things. When we doubt, we give temptation a foothold, I believe. When we doubt God's word and his character, um, we give sin and temptation an opening into our lives. Sin and temptation will take advantage of this opening every time and lead us down a path of destruction. And the sad reality is this path is avoidable. This path is avoidable. Therefore, he says, when you pray, pray in faith. Do not doubt. Look at how James describes the one who uh, does not have faith. He says, um, again, starting with verse 6, it says, let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. The second half of that verse, he describes the one who does not have faith and is a doubter. He, he lacks stability. He lacks stability in his life and his faith. His faith is, is wishy-washy. It's not firm. James says it is like a surf of sea being tossed around by the wind. Um, Years ago, um, in my parents' yard was this, this huge weeping willow tree. And if you know what a, a weeping willow tree is, it's just, it's, they can grow pretty good size. And they have these branches that kind of just look like little whips. And they kind of come up and, and down like this, right? And they're great for climbing. 
the great, we loved our trees, great for climbing. Um, the branches are a little bit painful if you ever get hit with them, right? But those, those, those little whip-like branches that come down, boy, when that wind blows, you know what happens? They just sway in that wind, don't they? If that wind is strong enough. And I found out something a while back. We, this willow tree in our parents' yard, we loved it. We loved it because each of us um, children, when we, when we graduated from high school, we had our um, graduation party on, kind of underneath that willow tree, right? Uh, the food and tent was kind of out there that, that provided shade for the people that were out there. It was a great tree. It was like a great climbing tree, had all these memories attached to it. And one day I went to my mom's house and I saw it just laying flat. And I was like, oh, there's go, there goes my childhood memories, right? And, and one windstorm, there it is. And I'm like, how in the world could such a massive tree, how could such a massive tree have fallen? Like all these other trees that look like they should be falling haven't fallen, right? They look dead. This one was very much alive. How in the world did it fall? And I found out that actually willow trees, these weeping willow trees, have very shallow roots, Right? And when the windstorm came, those roots that were very shallow just couldn't hold up to the, the power of the wind that blew them. And I think it's a good illustration for our lives. The wind's coming. The trial's coming, right? How deep do our roots go into the word of God, into the, our faith? How deep are they? Because if they go deep, then you're going to be able to withstand the, the trials. You're going to have that faith in the midst of the trials. If they're not, boy, that wind's going to have a, a greater effect on you. Right? And so James tells us when you ask, ask in faith. Do it believing that God is going to be true to his word. We believe, or we begin with a belief in uh, God followed by a proper perspective of who he is. Um, with that proper belief and perspective, we then expect him to be faithful to his word and character. Finally, we look with anticipation as to how God is going to answer our prayers for wisdom and thank him when he does. Thank him when he does. Bring it back full circle. When God answers, thank him. Look for what he's doing and be ready for it. Sometimes we find that wisdom in what we already know. Sometimes we find that wisdom revealed to us in God's word. Sometimes we find that wisdom in, God, in, in godly people. Whatever the case, look for it and thank him for when he gives it to us. Lastly here, James warns us in verse 7 and 8, there is a time, again, we should not expect from God. It is when we lack faith and entertain doubt in our hearts. Verse 7 and 8, For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. According to these verses, the one who doubts should not expect to receive anything from God because he is a double-minded man, and he is unstable. He's unsettled in his ways. Doubt has become, or doubt, let me see, yeah, Doubt has become a normal, I think, human experience since the fall of mankind. It goes all the way back to Genesis, right? When, when Genesis chapter 3, doubt entered the mind of Eve, 
since then, DAO have been kind of a normal part of the human experience. And I think in some cases, DAO can be used positively in our walk with God. But DAO can only um, be good when it helps strengthen our faith, when it causes us to do a little bit more research, when it causes us to, to search out and seek for the truth that's found in God's word, when we have those doubts in our minds and we go, I have this doubt, I need to understand this better, and we dig into God's word and it strengthens our faith. In that sense, doubt can work for us, but more often than not, doubt has a negative impact on our faith and decision-making. Such was the case in the Garden of Eden, right? When Eve entertained doubt about what God had clearly stated, she called into question God's character, right? It caused distrust of God's motives, right? Does God really want what's best for me? I mean, is he withholding something good? Is God being good? It called into question motives. Because of this... Um, this distrust, it affected her decision-making. So in the case of Adam and Eve, the, the action that she took and he took was in direct opposition to what God had said because of doubt. If she, being without sin, can make that bad of a choice, how much more do we need the wisdom of God? How much more do we need to trust him? Doubt dangerously holds us back from acting wisely. And that's true both for the believer and the unbeliever. The unbeliever doubts the, the reality of God. And so they don't choose him. A very dangerous decision. For the believer, doubt enters our mind about the reality of who our God is. And we begin to make poor choices. When we doubt God, when we doubt his word, why should we expect a blessing when we go contrary to his word? Doubt is going to lead us down a very dangerous path if we let it. Again, it can be used positively only so long as we pursue God in the midst of it. When we don't, it becomes very dangerous. Doubt becomes a moral problem here, for doubt becomes willful disobedience to God. And the believer becomes like the wicked. Because of doubt, the believer no longer suffers the trial of faith, but rather the excruciating instability of a life torn by two loyalties. Elsewhere, James pronounces this a conflict between loving God and loving the world. Eve allowed doubt into her heart. The result was separation from God, who is the source of life. When doubt took root, her thinking became confused. And she was torn between two worlds, the world of truth and the world of lies. Because of Satan's deception and her confusion, she chose death rather than life. The same can be true for us. When we allow doubt to take hold, we miss out on the blessings God has for us. The point is that we don't have to doubt. We don't have to go down that dangerous, destructive path. We can, in faith, ask for wisdom, and God will give it to us. And in faith, receiving that wisdom, we will be blessed.
it will be for our good and for the glory of God. So we see four things that we need to do. We need to ask for wisdom, or we need to understand what wisdom is. We need to ask for that wisdom. We need to believe and trust in God's character, that he is generous, gentle, and giving. And then we need to, in faith, trust in the word of God, in his character. So I encourage you to develop your relationship with God this year. Develop that relationship that gives you a deeper rooted faith. That gives you the kind of faith that when you are in the midst of those trials, you can let patience have its perfect work. And that you can turn to God and you can ask him for wisdom knowing that his character is perfect, that his word is true, and that you can receive the wisdom that he so generously wants to give to you. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for your word. We're thankful for your truth. We're thankful for the reality because, Lord, this world, they haven't figured it out yet. And they never will, and neither will we apart from you. Lord, we need you. Oh, we need you. Help us, Lord, to pursue you with our whole hearts. May we surrender our self-sufficiency for a God dependency. May our anthem be, we need you. Every hour, we need you. Shall we stand? evening service tonight we encourage you to spend some time with family loved ones dear Heavenly father lord we pray for any that are here this evening or this morning who have not yet made that choice have not yet put their faith their trust in you we pray that they would this day trusting you. We pray that they would come to know you. pray that they would become uncomfortable to a point of needing to talk with someone about how they can know you. And they can enter into that relationship. Lord, that there is nothing like it. You have given us hope. You have given us stability in life, even in the midst of chaos. For Lord, you are not a God of chaos, but you are a God of of order, of structure, of hope. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. May God bless you.